0: And I think over time, and it's really been probably a two-decade journey, that that pendulum has started to swing back, where the emphasis on vocational skills, uh, bringing back those types of programs into the high school level, and then into the post-secondary level, has really started to gain steam.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. This show is being brought to you by our sponsor, Cadenas Part Solutions. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. So we talk a lot on this show about top-line growth, sales, marketing, lead generation, and so on. Attracting, engaging, winning, and retaining great customers is really hard work, but so is attracting, engaging, hiring, and retaining great employees. If you talked to the average person in the general public, you'd probably hear grumblings about automation and other technology taking away job opportunities from the workforce. But when I look inside the manufacturing sector, what I see is one company after the next struggling to find high quality and consistent labor. The reality today is that many people don't want to do the dirty jobs, work night shifts, operate heavy machinery. And on top of that, in many cases, not enough skilled laborers are being trained to replace those that are on their way out. So, in today's episode, we're going to tackle some of this head-on. My guest is Gary Kanarska, the Executive Director and CEO of the American Welding Society, or AWS. Gary has spent more than 20 years in the welding and automation industry, most recently working for the Lincoln Electric Company, where he held roles including Vice President of Global Automation, Managing Director of Southeast Asia, Korea, and Taiwan, based in Singapore, and Director of Business Development, based in Shanghai, China. Throughout his career, Gary has focused on sales, strategic planning, international business, and fostered relationships among highly diverse teams. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, thrilled you're here. Well, before we get into the nitty-gritty, Gary, can you tell the listeners a bit about your personal journey up to this point of your career and and also just tell us a little bit about AWS and and what you guys do over there?
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, so from a personal standpoint, I obtained an industrial engineering degree, but realized that I probably didn't want to be kind of tied to a desk or inside a facility. So I actually went into technical sales. So stayed in the industrial space, but went into kind of the more dynamic aspect of sales. Spent about seven years kind of on the streets, really looking at how do I add value to an end user customer. So that was one of the beautiful things is, you know, I wasn't a product sales guy, I was a solution sales guy early on. and so. You know, early in my career, I was really trying to help people be more productive and effective in their operations. Uh, I had the unique opportunity to actually work as an expatriate, which was supposed to be a two-year assignment, but I ended up actually spending 10 years living and working in Asia. So kind of went over as kind of a senior level sales guy, trying to mentor some local resources, but that kind of expanded into kind of regional subject matter expert type roles. And then eventually moving on to, you know, director of business development, as well as a managing director role for about a 13-country region in Southeast Asia. You know, after that, uh, as I repatriated back to the U.S., you know, I moved back to Cleveland, Ohio, and I kind of left kind of the core business, which was product-based, and went into the automation industry. So still with the same organization, but focused on providing, firstly, uh, arc welding robotic solutions. So basically uh, addressing that skilled labor shortage or trying to help increase productivity of manufacturers. And then eventually took on a role where I had actually 13 locations around the world that were doing all kinds of automation from material handling to laser processing, welding processes. So kind of quite the, the start as, as a sales guy to eventually leading a, a pretty substantial footprint as a business leader.
2: Good background. And and now with AWS can you can you talk a little bit just for anybody who's unfamiliar about sort of what AWS is and does?
0: Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so I joined AWS just here in April of 2020. And so the mission of the American Welding Society is to advance the science and technology of welding, joining and allied processes. So we are the recognized body that's created the standards at which US manufacturers in particular adhere to from a welding standpoint so if there's any type of code quality welding any type of classifications on welding products such as welding consumables those would adhere to the standards that were developed by aws we also actually provide certification programs so our largest program being a program called the certified welding inspector who actually they're kind of a they work in the quality assurance space looking at the reliability as well as the safety of welded products. And so we are an industry trade association. We do also have individual membership, which is nearly 70,000 members of the AWS, both here domestically as well as internationally. So, I mean, we're here to support the welding community. You know, our job is, is kind of dual focus, is to provide services to the welding community. But also one of our core missions that we have is that we primarily promote through our, what we call the AWS Foundation, is to help address the shortage of welding personnel in industry today. And so that is actually something that I personally am passionate about. Is one of the interesting things that as I looked at this opportunity to join AWS was really kind of that balance between, you know, running a, a business, but also giving back to, in this case, the welding community. And so the, hopefully, you know, today we'll talk a bit about some of the things that we're doing, not just here at AWS, but also kind of what industry participants can do to kind of do this at a local level to help you as a, a manufacturer.
2: Yeah, that's exactly, I think, what what made me say, I think Gary would be a great guest on this show because it's, as I alluded to in, in the intro to this conversation... One of the things I, I hear most commonly from manufacturers is it's really difficult to find high quality and consistent labor to attract them, to retain them. And so you know, I'd love for you to be able to, to during this episode speak to that from your experience in the welding industry, but also think of it, you know, more broadly for our audience inside the manufacturing space, because it's absolutely a problem that you know is as as I'm sure you know, is prevalent kind of throughout manufacturing. So, so tell me, I guess we'll, we could start at a high level. Like, what, what are you seeing on this front in terms of this the, you know, the, the shortage in, in skilled labor and, and this gap that has to be filled? Maybe start by talking about it in the welding industry.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, and I'll add some kind of personal anecdote to it. You know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when I was myself going through high school, you know, I was in a bit of a rural area. I grew up in Michigan and there wasn't really vocational programs available to me. There were, but the types of students that were enrolling 25 years in the vocational programs were the ones that were deemed the ones not going to college, right? And there was a negative connotation to going and and joining the skilled trades. And I think over time, and it's really been probably a two-decade journey that that pendulum has started to swing back where the emphasis on vocational skills, uh, bringing back those types of programs into the high school level and then into the post-secondary level has really started to gain steam. I was looking at some data. I do see that we're making progress on that front. But the challenge that we face is we knew the baby boomer generation, we knew that there would be a large number of people exiting the workforce at some point But we didn't really see the effects and take action probably early enough. So as we start to see more and more of this generation retiring, we don't have as many entry-level people entering the industry as well. And so that's the real gap that we're really trying to address is we've got more people exiting, and we could say skilled trades, specifically welding as well, but there's more people exiting the skilled trades than are entering the skilled trades today.
2: Yeah, that, I think you summed that up really well. It's, uh, there's a book that I read recently, it's called Leveraged Learning, and the author is Danny Inney. I don't know if you've, you've come across this, but it, it immediately struck me because the book is really about, like I'm gonna read a quote here that I, I have bookmarked. He wrote, if not colleges, who will provide the, the lifelong learning of the future from the only place that it can come from? The experts and professionals on the cutting edge and front lines of their respective fields. They're the ones whose knowledge and skills will be sufficiently up to date to provide what learners will need. While their skill level and opportunity costs will command a premium, the transformation they will deliver will justify paying for it. And I, 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 when I read that book, I flagged that because it's, this is, is so relevant, I think, in the manufacturing industry, because I've, I've seen this, I've heard this from others, this shift, you described it as the pendulum swinging back toward vocational programs and the fact that you, know, you leave high school you go into one of these and you learn a skill and what, you know, the, the opportunity cost of, of, you know, college at this point, sometimes can, it almost doesn't even justify, you know, what you could be doing, learning a, a usable skill, going into a, a really good job and being trained to be an expert in, you know, something like in welding. Right. So I, th- I think it's really interesting to have you, you talking about this. I don't know if you you agree with sort of, you know, that quote and what's being said there.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, when you look at kind of the skill sets and like right now, as an example, I'm looking to hire a director of global sales and I'm looking at the experiences that individual has, you know, the skills that they've developed over the course of their career. And I actually just made this joke. I looked at a number of great candidates. I couldn't tell you what what university any of them went to right? It, it, it's not really at this point of, of this type of role. It's really about the experiences that they've gained. Now, when you look at a role like a skilled trade, right, experience is really what makes that role so important. But getting that foundational start, that's where the vocational programs, the continuing technical education programs, getting that solid foundation, you know, learning the basic ways to approach problem solving, Right. That's what's so important for that longer-term career where you can maximize earning potential long-term. And I mean, if you look at, and I have some data on the welding industry in particular, you know, the median income is about $43,000, right? I mean, that sounds like a pretty good start. You know, if I'm looking at, I've, I've just graduated high school, I'm looking at my options, I can look at a continuing technical education program. You know, typically they have a pretty low cost to go through them. They're not typically that long, you know, oftentimes six months to a year, right? And then you're out in the in the workforce, you know, earning. You know, on the alternative, you look at college, right? Many people take out loans. They're saddled with high debt, right? Four years, if you're lucky, typically five, right? And then you look at, now you look at starting to earn. So you dig this hole, You you create this debt, And long-term, is the earning potential maybe higher? Yeah, you could say that there is the potential that over the course of a 40-year career that the earning potential could be higher. However, at what point does that cross? Because now if you've gone into a vocational program, you started earning at, let's say, 19 years old, you don't have debt at that point, so you've got a four-year head start You've also now you know been building your experience, which means you're more qualified for further roles and you continue to expand upon your skill set because in most skilled trades, there is progression to be made, right There's more difficult machinery to run as a machinist. There's more difficult welding processes to learn. You can progress to running automated equipment doing those processes. So there's tremendous career opportunity within these different skill trades, that can really make a great career for an individual.
2: I love it. Totally love it. So give some context maybe for listeners here from maybe what you guys, I know you've, you've mentioned that there are things you're doing at the American Welding Society, initiatives you have underway that sort of address this welder shortage specifically. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Now I'll highlight
0: a few of the different things we're doing here at AWS. So, you know, one of the things that we recognize is that, you know, for, for those that are leaving high school, it's important for the parents as well as the students to understand what a career in welding might look like. And so we've created what we call a website called Careers in Welding that kind of highlights a number of the different career paths that an individual can take when entering the field, right? So we're really trying to present, you know, the knowledge process of what does it mean to become a welder? What does that look like? You know, there's a lot of testimonials from actual people that are in the profession today so they can learn to identify with, you know, what does the future look like if I go into this particular field? We're also doing a a number of things financially. So we have the AWS Foundation and the AWS Foundation is, is our arm that's really looking at direct support to the industry. As an example, in 2019, We actually gave out $1.8 million in scholarships and grants across the United States. From a scholarship standpoint, there was more than 1,000 individual students received a scholarship from AWS to basically go and attend some type of welding-related program. So that could be actually learning to weld itself. It could be going to get an associate's degree in welding technology or even a four-year engineering degree in a university as well. And so in addition to that, we then have offered a series of grants to education facilities. So whether to expand the capacity of an existing program to meet increased demand in that area or even to help schools start a welding program, right? So there's some specific campaigns uh, to actually focus in on places that need to introduce or want to introduce welding into their curriculum or their vocational program. And so when we look at, we're really trying to get into the the career entry point, attracting people to welding as a career, right? Another thing that we do is we have something called, we have a welding mobile trailer that travels around and attends things like the state fairs, right? The Future Farmers of America Annual Convention, Boy Scouts of America Annual Convention. And on that, there's these welding simulators, right? And so the welding simulator, it's a virtual reality system, right? And that virtual reality system actually gives a a student or or anybody an opportunity to try welding basically in your t-shirt and shorts, right? So it gives you that real-life experience, even gives you the sound. It doesn't give you the smell or the heat, but it does give you the chance to at least try the skill to say, hey, do I have an aptitude for this? It gives great exposure And actually, during those events, we run a competition because those virtual reality machines actually score your weld. The highest score of every one of those events earns a scholarship to a welding program. So we're trying to generate awareness that, you know, you can have a great career in something like welding and really trying to get out and bring people into the industry is kind of a lot of our focus.
2: We're going to take a 30 second breather here for a word from our sponsor, Cadenas Part Solutions. Let's talk real quick about getting specified. Are you a component manufacturer? Maybe you sell architectural products to parks or large facilities. Engineers and architects need models of your products to test fit in their designs. That's where Cadenas comes in. They help you create a dynamic, shareable CAD catalog you put on your website. Designers can preview the product from any angle and download it in the format they prefer. They get the data they need for their design, and you get a fresh lead to add to your marketing pipeline. To get one of your products turned into an online 3D model for free, use the code executive at partsolutions.com slash executive. You know, there's a staggering parallel for me as a guy who's come up in marketing and sales to between lead generation for new business and attracting talent at least in the way I believe it should be done. And we have on our, our, our guerrilla site, if you go into the career section, you'll see we have a separate blog called the Get a Job blog. Well, our main blog is, is focused on helping manufacturers figure out how to do sales and marketing. It's just purely insightful, you know, resourceful information. But our Get a Job blog, which is sort of in its infancy, but our objective is to help teach people who are either, you know, in college or or prior or in the marketing industry, trying to break into the marketing industry, help them learn what skill sets they need to acquire, how they can be successful trying to get into marketing. And you know, as a result of this, we attract a lot of really great young marketing candidates. And so it's, it's a very similar thing to what you're doing. You're becoming the resource, the, the organization that's helping people you know, sort of picture for themselves or paint a picture of what a career could look like, put themselves in that situation, make it tangible. Like the, the virtual reality thing you just described is, is such a great idea. The separate website that's purely about, you know, careers in welding. And I think there's a lot that even a, a small or mid-sized manufacturer can take from this because you can kind of do the same thing, you know, regardless of whether you're a CNC machining company or a, you know, an equipment manufacturer or a contract manufacturer of some kind you know, think about the type of people that you're trying to attract that are so hard to attract. And can you be a resource to them and open up conversations and help them picture what it would be like to have a career, not only at where you are, but at your, in your organization, but in this industry, it's a really smart thing to do. So I love it.
0: Yeah. I mean, when we look at what can somebody do at the local level, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm a small to medium sized manufacturer, really anywhere in the U S right. We always say, get engaged. You so know, get engaged at the local vocational programs, you know. Offer apprenticeship, offer internships, right? Normally you think of internships in the marketing space, the engineering space. But a welder, right, a kid going through welding school also needs some real-life experience as well, right? So look at programs where you part-time they could come in and be a helper, right? Oftentimes, you know, just like any career progression, when when somebody that has less experience, they may come in and do, you know, the more simple tasks, mm-hmm. right? That then frees up those that are more experienced to work on the more complex tasks, right? But getting engaged at that local level, and if you really form a close relationship with those schools, over time, what ends up happening is those that do a great job of supporting the program start to receive the benefits of, you know, hey, I've got a really good student coming through if you're in the market to find a good welder right here's here's your individual. You start to kind of have that where you know it's a it's a give and take and it's a mutual beneficial relationship to those schools and to that organization
2: It's such a good point, Gary, and I see it in my world too I think I'm sure this this point transcends welding and manufacturing it's, it's certainly present in my world. We're we're about two miles down the road from Washington University in St. Louis, which is where I went to college. Their program there is, they produce great Designers, you know, there's there's a visual communications program. You know, University of Missouri, Columbia's got one of the best journalism schools in the country, and they're they're you know a few hours down the road. And of course, we're talking about universities there, but the point is, you know, we we've built relationships inside of the journalism school there, inside of Washington University's visual communications program, and we're always getting great candidates. A lot of our employees, our best employees over time, have come out of those programs because they know that that you know gorillas is a place people have enjoyed working they've had you know, started their careers here they've had you know so we have had a lot of interns from these places and and there's no reason why this same thing can't be happening in welding or other areas of manufacturing you know you, and you get, you can get really great work done too you kind of set it like if you can delegate take the things that can be you know a process that can be taught that's now you're you're delegating work from your your full-time full-salaried employees down to more junior people who are using that to learn and gain real hands-on experience and there's just benefits for everybody there. So I'm glad you brought that up. Is there anything you're seeing from other organizations or companies, you know, to things they're doing to upskill the welding workforce so people are armed with the right skills to to meet demand, you know, other things outside of what you've talked about with, with AWS? Yeah, I mean, one
0: one thing that we have seen, and it tends to be more the medium to larger size organizations, you know, are doing more focused work on in-house training, right? You know, actually doing more from a structured standpoint of bringing in an employee without the skills and starting to give them the skills either on the job or through a structured training program, right? You know, any more... You know, just like, you know, this may be a live thing in the future for you. Right now, it's all virtual. But there's a plethora of great learning tools available now that are online, right? Whether from us or from other providers and other skilled trades area, there's a lot of online learning that is really readily available. And they're great programs as well. And so as a small to medium-sized manufacturer, partner with organizations that have those developed, you know, programs right? They can help you with learning paths, right? You know, I'm actually, you know, now we're working with some parts of industry where there's a need that's unfulfilled. And so, you know, as a small to medium-sized organization, you might not be able to stand up your own training program. But working with program with partners out there, you know, they can look at, well, I have 10 partners, or I have 50, or I have an entire industry, like for us, that has a need. And as more people understand what that need is, which in this particular example would be, you know, in-house training, then those needs can be met by various types of organizations, right? So I do see that there's more and more of that that's happening of people recognizing that, okay, if I can't just hire the skill set that, that I'm looking for, and, you know, right now, even in these times, there's still, you know, 100,000, hundreds of thousands of openings across the U.S., For skilled trades, in this particular example, welding, right? I may need to do something to bring in somebody that doesn't have the exact skill set that I need and help them to develop those skill sets, right? When you look at kind of the, the current generation workforce, one of the things you talk about when people say how much they're engaged or like their organization is that investment into the employee, right? That personal development, that professional development that the organization provides. know, that's one of the number one factors why people would stay at a place like Gorilla, right, is they're not just staying stagnant. They're not coming in with the skill and that's all they've got. Each day and month and year that goes by, they build their skill set. And when you're small to medium-sized company, it's hard to formalize those processes. But I think that's kind of one of the things when you're looking at skilled trades in particular, You've got to look at potentially formalizing some of these processes. Right? But you don't have to do it alone. There are people out there, there's there's organizations that focus primarily on this that can help you to develop those in house programs.
2: Well, I know the younger generations are looking for it too. That's you know, it's becoming more important for them to they value advancement in their career and learning and gaining skills more than past generations. Like there's enough d- data out there that, that represented it. It's not just about having a stable income. You know, they, there's a, when they feel like they're learning and growing, it matters a lot. What would you say to incumbent workers? Like what skills should they continue to build through ongoing training so that they can remain competitive?
0: I mean, in, in most of the skilled trades, Technology is becoming part of whether it's the the equipment itself, how the job is actually done, but there there is a technology component that that's already here and will continue to grow grow in proliferation across manufacturing. You know, so if today and I'll use welding as an example, if today I, I'm a welder, you know, I need to start building my understanding of how to run CNC equipment. Perhaps I need to learn how to program a robot, right? There's technologies that are being introduced, and even across small to medium-sized manufacturers are probably adopting them as fast at this point as larger-scale manufacturers, is to build that technological understanding, right, and and to start that process of learning, right? So whether you're learning technology, whether you're practicing your skill set, but you've got to be developing yourself beyond just on the job, I'm doing my job, therefore I'm learning. You've got to go a little bit beyond that. That might mean after work, you've got to spend 30 minutes or an hour you know utilizing tools, if your employers allows you to do that to kind of build up your skills. right? If I use welding as an example, there's many different processes, right? The more processes that you're proficient at, the more valuable you, more valuable you are as, as a welder, right? If you're a machinist the more types of machines that you can run, the different brands, the more valuable you are to an employer, right? So continuing to upskill, to expand your knowledge, and the technology piece is the most important probably long-term. Because as we talk about things like Industry 4.0, we talk about automation, right? I mean, the Industry 4.0 is monitoring equipment that either it's either maintained or operated by a human today, right? At some point in the future, like at one of the other podcasts you had talked about, you know, technology is here and humans are here, and that interaction mm-hmm. is happening. It's happening now, it's going to continue to happen. You know, how do you get on the leading edge of, of being that robot programmer, right? Of learning how to, to analyze data. Today I'm a welder, but if I understand the process, I understand the variables that make me go faster or slower. How could I translate that to a shop-wide solution to help my employer to say, today, we only weld this much. If we were to take data around this, we could probably improve our productivity by 5%, 10%. Small increments like that over the course of time are massive productivity gains for the employer. But that's all around technology and the application of it. And using robotics so i have direct experience in that you know we always used to say is it's easier to teach a welder how to program a robot than a robot programmer how to weld right you know when you think about programming programming is a pretty linear process typically you can kind of learn the steps you could study the steps even and become proficient at that at least small to base, medium type proficiency. As a welder, you can't learn that in a book. It's all time actually physically doing that. So when you think about that, to learn the program versus to learn the weld, if you don't spend the time under the hood in this particular case, right, it's much more difficult. So as you think about more robotics, more automation, there's still typically need a welder to actually operate that equipment.
2: Well, Gary, I'm more accustomed to talking sales and marketing. And so this was a a really interesting conversation for me. And I think all of your experience brings such a great perspective to this really real challenge with closing the skills gap and finding good labor. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Can you tell listeners where they can connect with you online and how they can learn more about what AWS is doing?
0: Yeah. So the primary website is aws.org. Right. So that's uh, the best place to learn more about what we're doing as the American Welding Society. You know, my name, Gary Kanarski. you can find me on LinkedIn. I enjoy to, to grow my network, really enjoyed following uh, Gorilla 76 in particular, because Joe is very good about, you know, offering, you know, tangible insights that you can actually go out and start applying. Right. So those are probably the two best ways if you want to get more information And if you want to reach out to me directly to learn more about uh, some of the things I've done in the past or some things we're doing in the future, I'm very open to anybody reaching out. And if I can help, I would love to do that.
2: Beautiful. Well, I would encourage all of you listeners to take Gary up on that offer. Well, before we wrap it up, I want to say a quick thank you again to our sponsor, Cadenas Part Solutions, for helping make this episode a reality. And Gary, thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this. It was a really interesting conversation. I know everybody's going to get a lot of value out of this. Yeah. Thank you, Joe, for having me. Great. Well, for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive.
1: You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.